Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You want an edge over Vegas? Download BetQL, the app you need to get an advantage this season. Discover value bets, line movement, and find out what bets the public backs with BetQL best part it's free to download from your mobile device head to betql.co and use promo code capspace for your three-day trial remember that capspace code because we talk about capspace all the time on the program here that's betql.co promo code capspace to give yourself an advantage over vegas let them know with that capspace code that you came from us all right so i think where we want to start today danny we got some games to get to uh but first uh, i think the news out of maybe it's minnesota maybe it's houston that the rockets have offered four first round picks for jimmy butler to the wolves and things are looking a little desperate for the rockets right now with uh, some of the injuries that they have which we'll get to but when that report first came out what were your initial thoughts my initial thoughts were that there were going to be some protections involved on it because four first round picks with Houston's current situation is actually the most that they can offer because the Stepien rule prevents a team from being without a first round pick for two consecutive years and the seven year rule prevents teams from trading first round picks more than seven years out. So every other year for that long. And so some people said, oh, well, that, that means you can't protect the picks. That's not necessarily true. You can put protections in and then it would revert either to second rounders or to nothing at all. So my thought was, I wonder how much of that is real and then the second part i thought about was oh i wonder what the matching salary theoretically would be in this trade and that that would if they're giving up that many first round picks of course we don't know how good or bad they're going to be that far out that part of the reason minnesota would get that many assets would be that they're taking on maybe something like brandon knight's bad contract as opposed to a better contract maybe i mean marquis chris is bad because they could just decline his last year option then he's basically just one year of one year of money and a weird form of bird rights so there's a lot that we don't know even if this report is 100% true just like what the nature of the first round picks is and then the other part is this is a very big if if this offer is even in play whatever it is a very big financial risk for the Houston Rockets because assuming there is at least some sort of understanding with Jimmy Butler that he would resign that team gets super expensive very quickly yeah we could, we could put that in perspective real quickly by the way in the first round pick issue Jeff Steele get reporting that he was hearing that the protections weren't ridiculous i don't remember if this is the that was the exact word he used but it was it was pretty something pretty close to that uh so for next year now if they got rid of brandon knight it would certainly help but for next year as of now the rockets already have 141 million dollars committed to nine players so let's say you get rid of knight and you're going to add in a Jimmy Butler at starting at his max salary next year, which would be $32.7 million. It would be a five-year, about $190 million contract. So you're going up to already for nine players with Jimmy Butler, $158 million salary. That is $49 million over the cap. 
and a tax payment of 68 million because you're 26 million over the tax and that's before you filled out your roster right so add another 10 million at least just to fill out your roster essentially with six more slots and probably realistically more than that so you throw that in actually i've got the roster charges in there so it would probably be another seven million or so eyeballing it here and oh baby 95 million dollar tax payment on top of 164 million i don't see the rockets necessarily paying that but that's what would have to happen and that's why knight just has to be in this trade if it gets made and remember knight his salary goes into next year at 15 million so yeah that that is kind of a tough contract to swallow i mean just simply taking him on is probably worth more than one of houston's first round picks right now and you're going to have butler making 32 million harden 38 paul 39 and then they only go up from there capella making 16 and you know they still would have pj tucker at that point they still would have uh, nene maybe they bring back james ennis uh, although he has a player option they could get some minimum guys but it would be very expensive and they clearly would have to offer him if not that full five-year contract you know maybe he gets like the demar Derozan, you know 10 million dollars less than the 190 million he could get over those five years but it would just be a massive massive bill and i just remain somewhat skeptical about whether they could pay that especially if they don't win this year or if things don't don't go incredibly well then there's still the chance too that butler could leave of course presumably if they're going to offer these four first rounders there would be a pretty decent understanding that the tom ball texas native uh which is near houston would be happy to uh re-up there but yeah and i'm not sure that butler is an amazing fit defensively he's great um, but I, I prattled on long enough here. Uh, what else did you have to add? Let's say that this offer, whatever the protections are and everything else, is is in the realm of consideration for Minnesota. This is also exactly the type of deal that you would not expect a coach GM to accept because it is all long-term value. It is nebulous, especially because Houston would be good enough that their present picks are going to be really deep. So that's going to be, you know, something in the in the low 20s or high 20s, depending on like, you know, final five picks of the draft maybe even in the first round so that's not really what you would expect from Thibodeau and they would have to replace Jimmy Butler this is a pretty thin wing rotation they it doesn't really matter because Tibbs does so little bench play you know they play he rides Andrew Wiggins and Jimmy Butler as far as he can so that's a, a concern as well and so Minnesota yeah they could theoretically parlay some of those picks into other things and this gets into something that you and I discussed a little bit not on the show which is i don't even really know how to value picks that far out i mean the age limit's probably changing by then we have no idea what the rockets are going to be and i mean that could be really interesting depending on the protection involved but at the same point it's a different regime and the present value of those might be pretty low well if they did give up the maximum number of picks it would not include uh 2022 unless there were some sort of protection there uh that caused it to roll over and that is the year what now everyone believes there's going to be that yeah. double draft but they would have they would have two they wouldn't have a double draft pick but they would have two picks in expanded after high school that's a good point though yeah I, but there's no reason to believe that the drafts bef- after 2022 are gonna be any more lucrative than sure the ones before it um also of note here brandon knight can't be aggregated with another player because houston received him when they were over the cap until two months after the trade to get him that deadline is october 31st so presumably marquise chris would be another one who'd be aggregated presumably uh his rookie option would need to be declined before then 
likely by the Rockets. I don't think the Wolves would be interested in uh, paying him a pretty decent salary. He's scheduled to make $4.1 million next year. Just overall, though, from the Rockets' perspective, what do you think of this offer? If it really is four first-round picks and there really is, you know, not too crazy a protection on these, you know, if, I'm guessing it's probably, you know, lottery protected towards towards the end of this. Uh is this would this be a good deal for Houston if in fact it does happen? I don't think it would be because Jimmy Butler defensively would help them a lot. I'm, I'm not going to discount that at all, but offensively there are some real big problems because he really is an additive a fair portion of the time in Minnesota. But you're replacing Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins with James Harden and Chris Paul, two of the best offensive players in the entire league. The possessions he is taking away from them is different than the possession are different than the possessions he's taking away from those two guys as talented as Towns and Wiggins are and that's a concern Butler in a switching system could be interesting but the financial part of it is is a huge concern they would eventually probably have to deal with the repeater tax which is even more burdensome that would be a few years down the road but I mean this team would be basically committed and you would also have this huge problem of present value versus future value I mean that team even with Jimmy Butler they would be better in the present but the timeline would be ticking really quickly I mean, Chris Paul, we don't know not only due to his health issues, but just due to age, small guards generally fall off a cliff at some point. Maybe he's the next John Stockton, but maybe he's not. And Jimmy Butler has a ton of miles on his tires for somebody his age, thanks to Thibodeau. And James Harden, I mean, we genuinely don't know with him. So you have all of these guys that are massive risks moving forward, and that would help them. You know, they would significantly increase their championship odds this year, but it wouldn't make them unbeatable or anything like that. And so if you're committing to all of these guys and you're looking three, four years down the line, it could get really rough. And sure, having a good shot at a title might be worth that. But I think they're so good right now that this is not the guy to go all in for. Well, I guess it remains to be seen how good they are once uh, everyone is actually back for this team. I I think they'll still be fine. Uh, I think it's depending on the protections. If you can avoid ever having to give up a lottery pick, I think you do it because on the back end of this, you're probably just going to be in the lottery regardless. And so you don't have to worry about giving that pick up. It'll turn into like two seconds or whatever. So now if you're going to be, you know, maybe if you can even avoid giving up a top 10 pick, uh, I think you, it makes sense to me. And Butler, I agree, not the ideal fit, but he is protection against the aging of Chris Paul as Chris Paul has to turn into more of an off the ball player that now you have another guy who can work and i think butler as someone who can attack you know he's kind of an iso guy kind of a pick and roll guy but if he's being guarded by the second best guy on the other team that looks a lot better now can butler be a good spot up shooter originally that was supposed to be his destiny as a 3 and d guy he hasn't really he looks like a good shooter he's pretty good for mid-range these days how good can he be as a a three-point shooter is just kind of bombing you know houston is going to find that out to be sure butler's health Certainly an issue. Five-year contract, certainly an issue. Uh, But flags fly forever, and that's Gerald Morey's approach. A lot of it goes to ownership and how much tax they're actually willing to pay and how sure they are that Butler is going to stick around. But to me, it's not even so much about this year as as Chris Paul ages, cracking that window of contention open maybe next year, maybe the year after that. And then by that point, you know, Harden's probably... A little bit too old. Butler's probably a little bit too old. Paul's definitely too old. And you're probably out of it anyway. But to have Jimmy Butler for the two years after this one, uh, you know, I think, you know, and he could still be a very good player. And his his defense is something that they really, really could use. I mean, he could, his defense could get them back to that level they were at last year and maybe even beyond that. Uh, I think I would do it. 
if I were Houston, but it all depends. You know, if you're potentially giving up you know an unprotected pick on the back end eh you know i mean and maybe maybe you do it does have to be one unprotected pick or one you know top four protected pick on the very end and you know that's still there's still some chance that you'll be fine there you're not giving up that bad of a pick so uh i'm i think i would do it because you know what else are you doing as your houston like you, you you're not gonna be the championship favorite anyway this is probably really your last year to realistically contend with chris paul being this good so why not try and prop the door open a little bit more uh and you know the next couple of years those picks aren't probably going to do too much for you anyway especially if you get him uh and you're also getting off the bad contract too i mean that's another thing right like if you think about uh how much they're gonna have to pay in tax next year anyway they're already gonna be up there if they get stuck with night i guess they could have stretched him but that's that's not a great solution either um and then for minnesota's standpoint you can still use those picks even if you want to contend now you can use those picks and the picks can obviously be traded immediately uh they could help you get rid of Gorgie jang they could help you bring in some other three and d players to fit around towns and wiggins they still have plenty of creation with teague they got rose as well as looked pretty good uh with the ball in his hand so far until he inevitably gets injured get some more shooting let carl anthony towns go to work towns has kind of been in a funk you wonder if that's because butler hasn't been traded yet also um so there's that component and then you could also say hey you know what like what else could the rockets trade for with their four first runners well there's not really a ton out there i don't think i don't think they can get a better player than jimmy butler with an offer like that and i don't think that they will be able to get someone in a side and trade because they're always going to be uh too close to the tax in the apron uh, with the players that they have already under contract going forward here so i mean it, like i made the same argument uh with miami when liam and i were talking which is yeah you know and, and i'm sure they're trying now to play off uh houston and miami against each other but to me like where are you going if you don't have jimmy butler is that really enough and you know i just don't see that big of an opportunity cost here for houston so are we in disagreement there you think then i do though your caveats theoretically of not giving up a lottery protected pick would make it substantially more tolerable but and you know that's what they're doing that's what they're trying yeah Yeah, i mean i i think there i think there would be one unprotected of the final two one of them would be either unprotected or so lightly protected you know maybe top three top four something like that but i think so so and and you could make an argument that that doesn't that there's no guarantee that that means they give up lottery pick they could retool they yeah. could still be good and it could totally combust too i mean there's the chance that butler just hates it there and verbal agreement or no he wants to he, he wants to leave or that like chris paul or and that, he can't or that stand it, each other or that it's financially untenable and so yeah that make the team worse for financial reasons like that's a very that's a very significant possibility with the structure that's actually one of the biggest reasons why i wouldn't support this move if i were you know a rockets fan or however you want to see it well very interesting then danny that you happen to write about all of the guys who may potentially receive max contracts in the summer of 2019 including jimmy butler you can sign up and read that if you are not an athletic subscriber already with theathletic.com slash cap space that is the the url danny has known them i you've known the founders since like before the site even launched basically like were were you like the first person even was writing for the athletic i was not the first person writing for them but i consulted with the founders before the site launched so i was i was kind of around it but and then the first thing outside of the athletic chicago was the athletic san francisco bay area and that was me (laughs) (laughs) for for like a year and a half it was me and that was that was a lot of fun and then now of course we have this ridiculous staff not only in the bay area but all around the country and it's been it's been a pleasure i mean there's just so much good material and it's not just basketball i mean the basketball is is fantastic
fantastic. But if you're into hockey, if you're into college football, college basketball, pretty much everything, if it's North American sports, and who knows, then maybe they'll be even stronger everywhere else after that. There's a lot of good stuff. And I know I know there's been some material out there that you've enjoyed recently as well, beyond my obviously sterling work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ethan Strauss, uh, another of our good friends, is writing for The Athletic. He's actually writing a weekly gambling column, which has been surprising. Uh, one of his picks was Spurs Lakers. And so on Monday night, after the Warriors blew out the Suns, we're all standing in the Warriors locker room, like waiting for interviews to start. And we're just standing there next to the players watching this game. And Ethan is just like sweating bullets over his pick i think he had i can't remember who he had i think he had the lakers actually who were plus one they were not favored and then he got a push when patty mills hit that shot uh to give the lake or uh give the lakers the loss i should say by one and so he was he was upset by that uh but and the spurs i mean were up eight with like two minutes left in that game like he was supposed to have won that this is why i don't gamble by the way but ethan uh apparently ego is even more important than money but like obviously he's an awesome writer and he, he gives his rationale for the picks and you can learn a lot about his observations about the league in addition to just the fact that he can write the shit out of the, the game of basketball uh, so if you want to read his stuff, theathletic.com slash cap space is that URL. Uh, let him know with that slash cap space URL that you came from us. All right, we've got a little more news in Houston. James Harden is diagnosed with a grade one plus left hamstring strain. This is the third hamstring strain of his career. He had one last year that kept him out a, a couple of weeks. Uh, He's to miss at least the next two games, which uh, includes Brooklyn on Friday. Grade one plus is kind of obviously, as you would guess, in between grade one and grade two. So seems like, you know, it's going to be kind of like a week or so for him and then james ennis had a grade two hamstring strain he's gonna miss at least the next two games but that's kind of grade two is kind of more of a two-week three-week kind of thing generally and uh carmelo anthony might start and not only start but start at the three uh on friday as they are just utterly depleted at least chris paul will return although there's a danger of course with harden out that paul may play a, a few too many minutes here uh, and then Nene trying to come back, re-aggravated his calf strain. What do we always say about calf strains, Danny? They're tricky, like hamstrings. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think it's even more so because hamstrings even, unless you just go absolutely all out, you can maybe avoid re-injuring your hamstring. You can kind of baby it a little bit. But your calf, I mean, it's just, you're trying to jump. Like, it's so easy to re-injure it. And so he's going to be reevaluated in three to four weeks. And so backup center, Chris is still out. They really, uh, they're going with uh, Isaiah Hartenstein uh, at backup center, who, you know, has some promise, but is not an experienced NBA player. Uh, and then backup one card, obviously, Michael Carter-Williams as well. So, uh, I mean, it's going to be a while before we see this team back together, playing their full minutes healthy uh and you know i mean it's probably a month before into the season before we even see these guys at full strength again so and, and that's the killer i mean if the warriors are looking pretty good right now steph curry is killing it uh we'll talk more about that in the 15 and 60 that 51 point game that he had that we were both at last night but you know they if they're not going to have home court that makes things a lot harder against golden state and it really you know we may just see these guys kind of taking it easy throughout a lot of the regular season if they're you know five games behind golden state by the end of this month already they might be activated more by being close to utah depending on how that turns out but well that's it's way too early to speculate on that 
that. We can move to Chicago. Chicago, now the walking wounded even more. Bobby Portis has a, a it looks like a grade two sprained MCL. The, the timeline I heard was four to eight weeks. I've also seen four to six. Yeah, it's been four and, to six. I am I put in four to eight because I believe that's just what it can be when you get a grade two MCL. Yeah, uh, that's also that's also fair. And, and, and Chris and, Dunn, and recall, so, also has a grade two MCL as well at the same time. He yeah. does. He does. And so that will open up a starting spot because Lowry Markkinen is still out for a while and we'll see what they do with it. And also it opens up even more shots for Zach Levine, who has been just amazing to watch so far. So the Bulls, we'll, we'll see We'll see what they did. They, they beat Charlotte on Wednesday night in a very kind of bizarre, but kind of perversely entertaining game. Zach Levine ended up winning that on with, with a shot. And now we'll see even more of that. And then the other piece of Chicago news, they decided not to stretch the final year of Omer Ashik's contract. It was guaranteed for $3 million and $1. One of my favorite guarantees, just because that extra dollar was kind $1, of paid in the $1, Mortimer. And so with Ashik, there's also the possibility that due to his, it's rheumatoid arthritis, it's it's definitely some sort of, of uh, unusual it, malady. It's, for it's arthritis that may be related to Crohn's. That's it. That's it. And so there is a distinct possibility that the money that $3 million and $1 is not going to be on Chicago's books anyway, which actually to me makes it a little bit surprising that they didn't stretch it just because then it's like, hey, well, if it gets cleared, then it gets cleared. But it's not that big a difference, $3 million, So we'll, we'll see if it ends up if it ends up mattering but i was vaguely interested in that 2020 plan no more 2019 plan although you know it wouldn't shock me if the bulls are kind of thinking yeah you know what uh you remember how we were thinking we might make the playoffs Ah, no we're actually gonna suck this year and they might be finding out just with the feelers they're putting out that their chances of getting a big time free agent next year are not that great which i agree i mean we haven't heard anybody being talked about as potentially going there um the way we've heard you know the kd to the knicks or Kyrie to the Knicks type of rumors so uh yeah maybe this is an indication there and, and yeah you know he could get cleared off the books with the long-term injury exclusion but like you I was surprised that he was not stretched and there had been reporting actually that they were likely to stretch him uh and yeah, I think it looks like Jabari Parker time in the starting lineup for a while here uh, at the four uh, rather than the three where he was initially slated to start. Which which might not actually mean that many more shots for Zachary Levine. So we'll see. Uh, elsewhere in the East, uh, Rodion Kurix, Rodi Kurix, uh, had played well, but suffered an ankle sprain against the Pacers. He's still out uh, for about another week or so at least. Uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson at least made his season debut uh, as the Nets blew out the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, on Wednesday. We might even see uh, Zanamu Musa in the rotation a, a little bit here because they've also got Carroll out right now. Uh, so uh, Jared Dudley and Rondé are probably their fours, but uh, you know I expect Rondé to get back in the starting lineup soon. And then Cleveland, they lost tonight to Detroit by 10, but Kevin Love did not play. Worrisome that he missed time due to foot soreness in the preseason, and that is the same reason he did not play uh, against Detroit. And hilariously, the Cavs over the weekend, Jason Lloyd wrote a story that they told all these vets, Channing Fry, who already wasn't playing, Corver and J.R. Smith, that, hey, they're going to go young for a while. And then they had that one terrible loss against the Cavs, and those guys were right back in the rotation against Brooklyn. They got blown out again, uh, and then they got beat by Detroit. It was a, a decent effort, at least, without Kevin Love, but... uh yeah. And the aforementioned Channing Fry started that game. <laughs> yeah, started at the four. Uh, yeah. Larry Nance, he of the uh, lucrative extension, did not start. Um, 
Elsewhere, we go in Detroit. Andre Drummond, remember we talked about that technical foul he received late in that game where he got thrown out totally unjustifiably uh, for supposedly uh, beginning an altercation with Joel Embiid. Well, Joel just flopped down and there was barely any contact. So Embiid actually received a flop warning. That's the first one of those in like three years. And Drummond's technical was rescinded. Uh, if Detroit had lost that game, I'm sure they would have been up in arms. But as it turned out, both due to Blake Griffin's heroics, they won it. And then Luke Kennard suffering a right shoulder spray in that game against the Cavs tonight uh possible separation he's going to undergo an MRI Friday uh what else we got here Marcus Gasol had to leave their game on Wednesday, which they lost to Sacramento with a shoulder back issue. And we haven't heard anything, or at least I haven't heard anything about his status moving forward. And Jaron Jackson was already starting at the four in place of Jamichael Green, who has the fracture. He has a facial fracture, right? And yes. yeah, so now maybe jaw. maybe he will slide from the four to the five and play what, what I feel is his eventual natural position. If Gasol has to miss time, we don't know if he does. And, and how how much and surprise surprise memphis that's he's not the only member of the memphis walking wounded yeah by the way gasol uh i'll update that because i found that earlier in the day uh day to day with neck soreness after leaving that game in sacramento chandler parsons who knows how long he's going to be out uh, again listed as day to day but it's just you know i don't expect him back necessarily anytime soon and then he's unreliable when he does come back sadly i mean he's actually you know it's good to see him back in the starting lineup and playing but there was just a feeling of inevitability that this would just happen to him again uh and then also dylan brooks has foot soreness he played at least some limited minutes against the kings but uh we're gonna see a lot of jaron jackson jr it sounds like uh which is awesome uh, at least for uh draft knicks uh in miami justice winslow was supposed to debut against the knicks but didn't may have suffered a setback with his hamstring uh, what do we always say about hamstrings something about them being tricky i believe yeah so uh unclear when he's gonna come back wayne ellington still hasn't made his debut either james johnson still hasn't made his debut either unclear when that's going to happen hopefully soon uh Andrew Wiggins we assumed he was going to play against Toronto he did not uh with that thigh bruise so he's questionable uh, for Friday and then in New York Courtney Lee is going to undergo more tech or more tests I should say on these troublesome neck spasms he was trending towards playing it and then uh suffered a setback prior to the season opener and really has not been able to get back on the court so they're trying to figure out what's going on with him Thankfully, an injury that would have probably led this segment had it been more severe is not, and that is Devin Booker. He left the game against the Lakers on Wednesday night with a hamstring issue, and John Gambadoro is saying that it is a mild strain and that he is day-to-day, so that is definitely better than what I was concerned it would be when it occurred. So, you know, even if he misses some time, that will certainly hurt the Suns as Devin Booker is the moon in their stars, but if it's a couple of, if it's a a game or two, then that's a lot more tolerable. I thought it's, uh, isn't it from game of thrones it's uh their sun and stars i don't know i'm tired it's 11 30 <laughs> uh just seeing how booker got injured and had to leave the the game and knew it right away i'm gonna just guess based on just his reaction that it's gonna be like about a week or so um even though it's listed right now as day to day uh another guy who had been injured came back was looking pretty good now Amon Shepard had to sit out on wednesday's win over the grizz with hip soreness and uh so that's something to watch again you know he's just been killed by these nagging injuries um 
which is too bad and then in toronto uh dylan wright tried to come back tweaked his groin on wednesday groin's not quite as tricky as hamstrings or calves but still kind of tricky uh so he's gonna be out now uh, on friday against the mavs and then fred van vliet missed the game against the wolves with a toe injury but practiced on thursday and he's likely to play uh, on friday and they need at least one of those two backup point guards available okay you want to talk a little bit about tonight's games yeah and let's start with the final game because i thought this was the most compelling i don't know why i necessarily felt it was the most compelling but we also did it for the twitter nba show and the lakers won 121 114 their second win of the season their second win in two days over the previously undefeated denver nuggets and while he was not the leading scorer while he was not the leading assist man for his own team much less the whole game i thought my most important takeaway of this game was lonzo ball 12 points eight assists six rebounds and uh for ball he even hit like a huge three in an iso that step back going to his left mike schmitz noted that he looked more like lonzo or uh ucla lonzo uh, he hit two shots out of pick and roll, a jump shot going to his right, which we are told that he couldn't do, which I kind of believed he couldn't do. He's really had to work on that. Uh, and then also scored over Jokic uh, in pick and roll. Uh, his passing on the fast break was outstanding he had five steals in this one including two just absolute pick sixes in the backcourt and really just liked what we saw for him 33 minutes uh, as well uh hit guys going back door he had this beautiful touch pass in transition to lebron for a layup um and defensively i thought he just really competed yeah he was able to get over screens he's stronger now so he's a more useful as a switch guy and uh really enjoyed watching him in this one i wanted to i was happy you brought up his defense because i thought that was what really stood out to me of course making the the jump shots is is important for his long-term development but he just battles defensively and he's such a smart player it's not quite the the jump that ben simmons did going from being truly awful at lsu to being a very good defender but you see it with these smart guys that they get in they know they know where to pick their spots and lonzo getting those two steals and layups that effect and he was just pressure Denver enough in the backcourt slowing them down a little bit preventing some of the fast breaks Lance also had a really nice play at one point where he just got up in I think that was Jamal Murray as well got up in him and that prevented a a transition opportunity and then the other takeaway another young point guard I was very impressed with Monty Morris in this game I mean we had this big question about Will Barton's moving into the starting lineup Isaiah Thomas isn't ready what's going to happen to their second unit offense and Monty Morris not only was a good capable steward as a pick and roll operator but he's making some shots too and that was that was the reason he fell as far as he did in the draft yeah two of two from three both of them off the dribble when they went under on him uh and he finished with 20 points seven assists in 27 minutes six of nine from the field uh very efficient game from him uh, really an excellent pick and roll operator uh against a lakers team with limited rim protection uh he was really able uh, to eat at the rim and i thought he did some nice things defensively had three steals as well so he's looking like a quality backup point guard someone asked us during the tour nba show of like oh what's going to happen when isaiah comes back and my prediction is they're going to play isaiah and he's going to not be as good as monty morris and then he's going to be out of the rotation because he's going to be so bad defensively and we saw what isaiah looks like when he comes back from injury right away so it's going to take him uh quite some time and he doesn't still have any kind of uh, a timetable the key stretch in this one what yeah are the, go ahead sorry uh, go ahead you know that that's a good yeah. that's a better place to go than where i was gonna go okay so uh, the key stretch in this one denver led by 10 through much in the third and fourth quarter you know it was oscillating back and forth between like you know 11 and 6 and then lebron goes out of the game and lance stevenson had a personal 8-0 run two three-pointers one of them a really tough one off the dribble uh one where they kind of left him open uh, a little bit and then he got to the rim 
for a layup and that really got the Lakers back into contact they had trailed I believe at eight by eight at that point and then uh, they rested LeBron during this period LeBron only 35 minutes in what was a close game and, and he of course was sterling with 28 points 10 to 17 from the field uh, 11 assists they brought LeBron in took out McGee and they actually played LeBron at center and had him guard Nikola Jokic, who was completely destroying the Lakers, Jonathan Williams, McKee, in the post in the third quarter, particularly Williams, who, uh, as a two-way guy, has played pretty well. He's been, you know, in the rotation, he's looked good at times, but, uh, you know, he's he's not, doesn't have the size to guard Jokic in the post. And so LeBron, I mean, they didn't really get Jokic into the post that much against LeBron, and they did some switching, but... It was good to see. We were talking about it on the show of like, all right, here McGee's coming out. Is LeBron going to guard Jokic? Or are they going to try and put Kuzma on him, who uh, can't guard Jokic? And LeBron stepped up and did it. I think you know at the end of the game, like LeBron is strong enough to guard Jokic. He's their best option on the team for doing it. And it was good to see LeBron do that. To see Walton deploy him in that role, which is a hard role, but it really contributes to winning. You know, you don't want him doing that all the time. But at the end of the game, to put him in that role and have him accept that you know he was going to have to take that on. And they really defended incredibly well down the stretch as they went on what eventually became a 19 to four run to take control and eventually win by seven. And as our friend Dan Feldman pointed out, that run was LeBron and four players that were not in their opening night starting lineup hmm. because, yeah. because yeah, I mean, so because of the suspensions to Ingram and Rondo, and uh, it might end up being a silver lining of what happened with this is getting Luke Walton. I, I don't think this is having to convince him of something that he didn't already know, but making him more comfortable with the idea that the youngsters on this Lakers team are a better fit for lebron james than the older guys that they that the front office signed after they kind of got lebron and so lance did have a you know a, this there was more good lance than bad lance in this game some of that was just the shots falling he also got completely screwed in that same run he got completely clobbered by by mason Plumley and didn't get the call that was actually to me the best of the shots that he took yeah. and it and didn't get points for that and i mean stevenson does bring energy he had a couple of nice passes as well well and you know kcp i thought had some better moments in this game and then another surprise early in the game didn't end up going to him as much late svi mikhailiuk actually because what he does fits in well with lebron you know they have to you have to respect his jump shot a little bit more verve and skill to his game than maybe some think i thought he he looked pretty good as well and so you're seeing these you know younger guys that make some sense with lebron james actually getting an opportunity to play with yeah svi didn't take a three but he had a couple of nice drives and the unit that they put out there, it was JaVale at center. JaVale, another really nice game, 21 points, 10 of 16. Uh, you know, he makes some dumb plays. He takes a couple of bad shots. But, you know, overall, his gravity is, he, I mean, he is a very good offensive center. You know, and uh, he's certainly looking like a good signing for the minimum. He's got his defensive foibles, to be sure. But the kind of production he's giving them, it's hard to ignore. He played 32 minutes. He hasn't played that many minutes since 2013. And easy to, to forget that he had, you know, he missed basically two entire years, 13, 14, 14, 15. Uh, but when Spee was out there, the offense looked unstoppable. High pick and roll with LeBron. The Nuggets just had no answers. They were bringing the big all the way up to the level of the ball. And then, of course, when JaVale would roll to the basket, they had to bring in the weak side wing from the three-point line. And LeBron James is going to just slice you apart when you try and do that with his size. He's going to throw that pass a million miles an hour, and you're going to give up a wide open corner three every time. And that happened for like five possessions in a row, basically, where or they would close out and just 
get blown by because they were totally out of control um so and, and they ended up going to a little bit more conservative pick and roll coverage dropping the big back actually lebron you know i'm not sure that he is like an amazing pick and roll finisher uh, anymore if he's going into traffic and certainly you don't want to double team him out high because he's just can throw that pass to anywhere on the floor so not that like that was a great option but the more conservative scheme seemed to lurk work a little bit better against him but you know hey what a surprise lebron and four shooters is pretty difficult to stop it's really the first time and especially with you know a role man with that type of gravity which he really with the exception of chris anderson has never played with uh to really force the backside to suck in um it was certainly looked really good but yeah it's going to be fascinating rondo is going to be back now uh ingram has one more game on the shelf Luke Walton said he was going to look at the tape. Unclear whether Ball or Rondo is going to start. I think it should be Ball. Uh, I think I always said that Ball is, is better than Rondo, and Ball is looking pretty good. He looks totally recovered from that surgery. He's so much better than Rondo defensively, and he's a better shooter. So, and Rondo is maybe a better passer, but you've got LeBron James on this team too, and you know Josh Hart is in the starting lineup now instead of KCP. You mentioned KCP played a little better. Uh, Mike Beasley played three minutes and gave up like about four open shots during that period due to mental mistakes so i don't see him being in the rotation uh so this team's starting to come together a little bit if they can get ingram on the floor get a little bit better defensively we'll see where his shooting comes along too uh but you know i think they could give kuzma a little bit less time get ingram some more there too they could, the lebron at center lineups could look pretty good if they get ingram back so I'm starting to feel better about this team. And uh, I think really the last vestige of, and we'll see how much Rondo is going to play now. And Stevenson, those are kind of the two guys to me that are going to be inflection points. And Stevenson has had two pretty good games in a row. And we'll see how long that lasts. I mean, I think you're going to you know, eventually come up snake eyes on Lance Stevenson. But you know, maybe he's a guy that you play 10 minutes and see if he has it. If he doesn't, then you, you sit him down. Uh, but I, I think this team is looking better. Um, we didn't talk much about Denver. Any more observations uh, on them before we move on oh yeah i had a couple of things that i think are significant so one is defensively i you know this was more in line with what i expect from them but i thought overall there, there was some nice execution for them defensively like they forced trey lyle's actually had some of the better yeah. defensive possessions he's had yeah he like stoned in, in lebron and career, iso a couple of times like he actually like looked pretty good but my concern with denver and this is more of a playoff concern than a regular season concern partially because tory craig isn't going to be in the starting lineup forever i mean he will be probably for a while with Will Barton out, but Millsap's offense really comes and goes at this point in his career. He also got stoned by the bottom of the rim at one point. In oh, the game, that, which was... I forgot about that dunk attempt he had in the first half. He went up and like took off from like the block coming in from the baseline, like he was just gonna yoke it. And he had he probably had like the worst sprite that I've seen in like a couple of years. Like I don't think like he even got the ball like halfway over the rim, and he like took off from way too far. It was just and, awful. and then compounded it it was the double the double shacked and he got ended up with the rebound and was like kind of i think he felt some pressure to really oh, do something in I that think possession. He did. tried to tried to go behind his back and just lost the ball he couldn't get it with his left hand and then it led to two points for the lakers and an easy transition look so that i mean he's not gonna have that kind of play every time down but Millsap, he had that one you know nice little turnaround i think that was on kuzma in the fourth quarter one of the few baskets denver scored late in this game tory craig is just a huge 
huge offensive negative. He does provide value in other areas, competing defensively, grabbing rebounds, but the Lakers did not actively defend him. That's a big problem. And yeah. then he was missing took, layups too, man. He came in like, oh like, yeah, you know, even when he's like pretty open under the rim, he, he like, can't make a his, layup. His five shots off the top of my head, at least four of them were like about as clean of looks as you could expect. Two at the rim, two from three. And then it took a little while, but eventually Mike Malone got to the point where it's like, oh yeah, we have Nikola Jokic. We don't need to do all this other stuff on offense. We can just give him the damn ball. And he was just tearing through the the Lakers bigs or whoever was switched on him like wet toilet paper. It was fantastic to see Jokic can do that. His hands are awesome. He's such a wonderful passer. There was that time when Lonzo kind of took a look towards him like, oh, I'm going to do that. And then Monty Morris just cut right at that moment. Jokic dimed him up. And the Nuggets need to be ready to press that advantage whenever they can. They have a lot of offensive talent. They have defensive talent too, but they need to press those advantages because they're not always going to be short-lived. Teams are going to adjust. They're going to, personnel is going to shift around. And I think if they had done that earlier, they probably would have been able to get more control of this game and the Lakers wouldn't have been able to come back. Yeah, per- perhaps so. And, uh, you know, Jokic, 33 minutes, he, he was in foul trouble to some degree. Uh, some of the starters played a few fewer minutes because uh, they had a bench unit that was going pretty well. And actually, you know, the Lance-led comeback happened once the starters went back in. So it wasn't a case where of Malone sticking with the hot bench unit for too long, which can happen to a lot of coaches. Uh, you know, I thought Jokic looked really good. As I mentioned, the Lakers didn't really have anyone to guard him other than LeBron at the end of the game. And so he was able to even catch the ball at the elbow and then just kind of start. He's a good ball handler. So he's able to just kind of back, start backing his way in a position off the dribble and, and just get right to the rim with that that soft hook shot. Uh, and, and the Nuggets generally got better shot quality than Lakers. I think they should have won this game. They played well enough to win overall. They're six out of 23 from three on some very good looks by pretty good shooters. I mean, Jokic, Murray, and Harris, that's three, like almost 40% guys combined to go three out of 13 um Juancho Hernan Gomez played eight minutes in the first half made a, a bunch of mental mistakes so he got pulled out and they went to Malik Beasley in the second I thought Beasley looked pretty good uh in the second half he was plus six so that'll be interesting to monitor who's getting those backup small forward minutes and I think that's a that's about it I mean I, I thought we saw to some extent why you know the Nuggets still are not gonna ever be an elite defense in this league you know I mean they just don't have the ability to switch and I think with today's rules the amount of shooting how good these creators are if you can't switch and the nuggets really can't do that with Jokic or if you don't have just an unbelievable defensive center like a Rudy Gobert or Joel Embiid and then sometimes even if you do if you can get that guy out on the floor you can still score pretty well so you know I think the nuggets defense looks better in the regular season but you know I still don't trust them to stop elite offenses and I think the loss of Barton this is we saw this for the first time where you know Hernan Gomez Craig, those guys just are not as good offensively as Barton. So I don't know if they are going to be an elite offense necessarily uh, with Barton out. Um, Because it's just hard when you have a guy who just doesn't do anything out there on the floor uh, as much as Craig does uh, compete, which, you know, is certainly admirable. Uh, You know, maybe Lyles, if he can continue to show some of this newfound defensive aggression, although he takes some pretty terrible shots on offense. Oh, well, they can just plug in OG and Anobi he's a natural fit all right let's move on quick hitters on some of the other games boston and okc boston in a game that much mirrored last year's game where they just looked awful in the first half they had a 69 offensive rating in the first half okc led it 
50 to 34 and it took a flurry to get up to 34 for boston at the end of the half uh came roaring back a 40 to 23 third quarter in which the celtics made nine of their 11 three-pointers for the game they were nine to 13 in that quarter and two for 19 the entire rest of the game the celtics gave up 12 offensive rebounds in the first half only four in the second half and the thunder now fall to zero and four after the 101 95 celtics victory we'll save time to panic for later that's always one we do after a couple of a couple of weeks that that i enjoy but uh, your thoughts on the Thunder after this one? I didn't love some of the shots Russell Westbrook took late. Sure, I mean, the 5 out of 20 looks bad, and you have all that. But And, and some of the looks were, you know, it's it's kind of how you feel about a, a largely open 29-footer. Like, if you, if you think that's a good shot, then you'd be fine with it. If not, then you get in there. And Oklahoma City, partially due to their personnel, some guys being out and everything else, they just have a lot of guys that don't freak you out if you're an opposing defense. And so the Celtics are great at helping off of those circumstances and Terrence Ferguson just hasn't really done anything for me over this season and, and most of last season I thought Hamadou Diallo looked better the problem with playing Diallo in the starting lineup is that nobody really trusts his jump shot yet and so then you get into some of those issues but I think defensively he's been meaningfully better I thought Nerlens Noel again looked pretty good you know I th- I've been happy with what he's done this year and I am increasingly concerned we talked about this because we did the last five minutes of this game for the beginning part of the Twitter NBA show with Brad's Stevens consistently not playing Jalen Brown during the end of close games because Jalen Brown yeah there's an outside shot we can make an argument about whether he's one of their five best players in the closing lineup but if he's not there right now there's a pretty good chance that he's going to be there next year and so you want to give him those reps and get him used to that responsibility especially when the guy playing over him is usually Marcus Morris yeah well it's hard to argue that Stevens strategy didn't work here because when Marcus Smart came in for Jalen Brown, Paul George had just been fouled. He made two free throws to make it 94-85. And OKC scored one point the entire rest of the game. And Marcus Smart did a pretty good job on Russell Westbrook. You know, I mean, I, I said it during the show that I don't think there's anybody in the whole league that I might prefer to guard Russell Westbrook over Marcus Smart. And, you know, I thought the Thunder got some okay looks. You know, they were long twos. They were relatively open long twos. They had some open threes as well. But they just couldn't score down the end. And then uh, Marcus Morris made a huge three-pointer as well. So it's hard to argue with Stevens this time. I mean, it was tied at 95. And Morris made this huge three after TNT enraged me by showing some stupid inside tracks thing and not even showing the beginning of the play that led to that Morris three. It was a, a great drive, actually, from Smart along the baseline who set up Horford up top and then swung it to Morris. So it worked in this game. Uh, but yeah, I do think that especially because, you know, Morris takes bad shots he's not the great Brown is better shooter than him Brown I think is a better defender than him against most guys maybe Morris against slightly bigger guys and then smart you know just doesn't need to be guarded uh so maybe you put him out there if you're just getting killed by a JJ Redick or something or Westbrook uh, in this game but and Westbrook finished five out of 20 so you know they certainly held him down and was Westbrook was three of 15 in the second half Can but I, but I, I, I agree the, with uh, you though uh, overall that that like Brown is yeah, the yeah, best it, two-way it, option 
Yeah, and, and they pro- there's a very good argument. I think Morris also hit some free throws late in this game that yeah. were important, and there's an argument to be made that they don't win this game if they do the move that I advocated for, but it's it's a long-term play. But a quick note on the audio tracks thing, which is immensely frustrating. Everybody knows that anything that's interesting tactically from a coach will never be included in those. So why do they get featured? Like, you can have them as, like, ambiance or something else at, like, halftime or at a quarter break break or something whatever but they never provide any value so don't cut into the game with that stuff ah yeah well Sorry, i mean it, i had to yeah i mean really what it is is it's like if you have to get in that many commercials that were this close to missing game action like you know don't throw that in there i mean that that's like what that is is the producer thinking that he is the show and these little snippets are the show instead of the game being the show uh and, and if you're gonna make us miss it how about not you know the tying shot when it was and they never even 95. showed a good replay too like yeah. they had they had some weird weird stuff there so but let's get back into the game the the two guys of note recovering from injury the starters for the Celtics, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. I thought there were a few mo- the Hayward didn't look as good as he did in the last I can't I, for the life of me I can't remember what Toronto. the last game we watched if there's was Toronto game. I thought he looked better physically in that one than he did here. A little bit more tentative. Also OKC has a lot of guys to guard him. Yeah. Not that yeah, this you know, is, this Toronto is, is not, any slouch, but not the team to try and get healthy against offensively. Uh, I mean OKC still right. is, and, is very good. And, and he's on that and 25 Kyrie's... minute limit and he also rested mm-hmm. against New York. So he he had 11 points against Orlando when they only put up 90 points against Orlando on Monday and then uh one of five in this one so yeah I mean he, he wasn't doing much I, he, and he of course you know Morris replaced him in the starting in the closing lineup we should say yeah you could see it a bunch of different directions but yeah that's an argument to be made and Kyrie I thought he he had some nice draw like drives the basket Kyrie Kyrie Irving doing his thing and I was reminded in the late point in this game when he had a bucket of his intense value to a playoff team because there are certain moments where you just need a guy to get a basket one-on-one and they will ha- hopefully have Kyrie to do that this year and that was something you know if boston probably makes i mean they almost definitely make the nba finals if Kyrie is healthy because there were a couple of those games in the conference finals that would have swung on something like that and for okc yeah they're zero and four but i think their fundamentals in terms of like defending are those are fine i'm still a little bit cons- more than a little bit concerned about their offense but at least they're getting better play from their bench guys than i expected they also made the change we should mention of patrick patterson moving to the bench and Jeremy Grant starting. I thought Grant looked okay. Nothing too spectacular there. But I think that is that's probably the right move unless Patterson really gets a lot better than what he's shown so far. Yeah, I mean Patterson hasn't exactly been lighting it up. I think you know Grant's looking more comfortable above the break, and and Grant is the far superior defender to Patterson at, at this point in his career. I mean that is really you know Stephen Adams who had a wonderful first half and then kind of disappeared in the second, both on defense uh, and uh, on the offensive glass, uh, but between adams paul george grant like that is a pretty damn good defensive front court uh you know russ had his usual fall asleeps in this game but he's at least still pretty tough to post up um but yeah i mean Kyrie just doesn't look like he's there yet i mean this is he was six out of 13 for 15 points i mean i'm not gonna say his slump is over after this uh so he's got a long way to go hayward you know again just didn't really do much but you know he's being guarded by paul george so that's tough but he was you know he, he made oh. some plays on Kawhi leonard on friday so i think you know it, it's just it's gonna be a process for him a couple other things i want to make sure to mention from this game one for most of this contest i thought that steven adams was really giving al horford a lot of trouble yeah. horford had this big stretch in the third quarter where he hit a hit three threes in a row and looked good shooting them but adams it's kind of the, this funny dynamic with adams horford and Embiid, where horford gives Embiid trouble because of his 
combination of speed and quickness, but Adams gives Horford trouble because he's all strength. <laughs> like that. So, so kind of the, it's not the tic-tac-toe necessarily, but I, I enjoy seeing those guys face each other because they're just hard puzzles to figure out. And yeah, I thought Adams had some, had some nice moments. He did only get credited with three offensive rebounds, but as we've talked about numerous times with Steven Adams, he leads to a lot of other things that are beneficial for teams. And yeah, I mean, Russ ended up had his 15, of course, because that's what happens. And I thought this was a disappointing night for me a little bit with Paul George. He did end up with 22 points on 22 shots, but, but I don't know. I, I, I kept on feeling like he could have gotten them a little bit more over the finish line, sort of paralleling Denver. Like if, if the if the leading team had scored just a little bit better in the last five minutes, they, they probably would have won the game. And I expected that to be George a little bit more than it was. Let's move now to Portland and Orlando, a 128-114 victory for the Blazers on the road. They relatively controlled it throughout but uh, the big story Dame Lillard back in form 41 points 34 in the second half 5 of 10 from 3 got to the foul line 6 assists he just was absolutely smoking anyone that the Magic put at him in pick and roll Vucevic obviously is not although he scored well with 24 points of his own on only 17 shooting possessions but Vucevic is not prepared to handle him out in the perimeter if he does he's going to get blown by Mo Bamba didn't quite have the ability to stay in front and then Dame was able to get past him and uh Mo would try and block it from behind but Dame was too crafty a finisher he was able to score around him at the rim so that looked really good uh CJ McCollum also has struggled at the start of the year but he had 22 points on 15 shooting possessions in this one and so you know two great pick and roll guards against a, a suspect pick and roll defense team uh you know it didn't go great for the Magic um also for Portland, Jake Lehman, he got the half Bogans, which means he started the, fir- the first half, played six minutes, and then never played again. Didn't even get the full Keith Bogans. Uh, but Mo Harkless actually came back in uh, and started the second half, which is good to see if he can round into form. This Blazers team starts to look a lot better. That's been an underrated part, I think, of, of many of the times that they have struggled in these last couple of years. Uh, you know, Harkless not looking great shooting the ball but just having him out there is nice uh Seth Curry great to see him back 11 points in 22 minutes for him uh Nick Stauskas continues to give them effective minutes I think the fact that they're able to go to this all bench unit uh where Zach Collins had a big game with 17 points and and he continues to look pretty good defensively he was two or two from three as well which is huge uh so I, I really uh liked what i saw from the blazers in this one again the magic with the exception of that weird game against boston you know just have not looked particularly good this year what did you see from them overall i don't trust their offense i, I think that they're not generating many good looks the, the time that they actually generated the most good looks was when the blazers strangely lost terrence ross on two consecutive possessions for no good reason he was just wide open drilled both of those threes it, it took the margin from 11 to 6 and it stayed more in that six area after that for a little while until dame went off and they took control and you know i, I just don't see them generating reliably reliable quality looks i think of of Aaron Gordon is more of a dependent talent maybe offensively than some people do and so I think he could really benefit from better spacing distribution all that but they just don't have those players right now John Isaac I still am intrigued by him defensively but yeah, offensively he's in a, this game for Isaac yeah I mean he, he he has that potential but offensively to me he looks more like a fourth or fifth option and that's okay I mean if you're as good defensively as he might be you can totally live with that and I thought the beginning of this game was basketball karmic balancing after we got to experience Curry's 51 last night 
night because this game started with Vooch and Yusuf Nurkic trading long twos, and I was just going completely insane because it was. I mean, they're not bad at them. It's not. It's just not a type of basketball that I enjoy watching at all. And it eventually toned down. I mean, Vooch had a wonderful offensive game: twenty-four points, ten of sixteen from the field, two of three from three, only two free throw attempts. But you can see just how teams are aggressive at attacking him. He's not a great rim protector, and it's so crazy to have a team that has three, two better rim protectors in their starting lineup and three in their regular rotation that are better than their starting center. Yeah, that is a little weird. I mean, like the Magic offense it has been one of the worst in the NBA. They broke out a little bit because they shot 12 to 30 from 340% from downtown in this one. Uh, Ross was five out of nine, uh, although still negative 15 while scoring 21 points on 14 shooting possessions. Uh, Isaac, I agree, is his offense, like his three ball does not look good. He was 0 for 2 and he doesn't really seem to have great footwork he's rarely on balance he doesn't have a quick release he's got to really load up he releases the ball low but he doesn't seem to get much arc on it a lot of his shots are short I actually went on the back-to-back pod uh with uh, our buddy Dave DeFore and uh coach Thorpe today and we were talking I forget where I saw this stat but like 70 percent or more of three-pointers are short and you know John Isaac uh I think like 95 percent of his three-pointers that he misses are short yeah when I say 70 percent 70 percent of three-point misses um so these guys could look decent offensively, but they, I didn't think they were getting great shots. You know, they're hitting some tough threes. They're taking advantage of, you know, just guys uh, mental mistakes by the other team but they weren't really doing a ton to just like really generate open threes the way you know a team like the lakers were uh because they just don't have the guys who have that sort of gravity to draw a double team uh, on this squad so uh you know they're gonna rise and fall with their defense i thought bomba had some moments in this one with eight points uh, on four or five um he can be a handful around the rim although it's one block was a clear goaltend that he got away with and uh the point guard situation isn't great either like uh jerry and grant was one out of five Augustine is a defensive liability so like Clifford tr- clearly was searching to find something to defend Dame Lillard and when a guy puts up 34 and a half uh I don't think he found it and I don't know if he can with this personnel yeah I don't know that he can with this personnel and and that's a tough situation for a new coach to be in where you're trying all these combinations and nothing really works perfectly and it's way too early I mean we'll talk about this I'm sure to 15 and 60 at a future moment but how they the front office adjusts to what they see this season for the magic I mean what what conversations are they having with other teams about Evan Fournier because the big question here is can they get an offensive player that's good enough to to solve their problems and that's too big a question for us to answer now but it's something listeners can think about over the next few days while we while we take an absence from recording podcasts yeah and I mean you know maybe it's imperative to make those trades just so that they suck a little bit more I mean the, the only way they're getting to someone like that is in the draft you know I mean the, and as of right now at least it seems like there's really only one of those guys and that's rj barrett uh, at the moment who profiles as a, a great creator uh, and they just they just haven't had that i mean they, who's the best offensive season by a perimeter player in the post to white howard era i mean that's you know evan fournier a couple of years ago like i mean there's really uh you know victor oladipo obviously wasn't really any good before he got traded really uh they've just been in the wilderness here so uh, all right, well, that's uh, enough nice things uh, about the Magic and enough nice things about the NBA uh, as a whole. Uh, we will be back with the 15 and 60, first real one. We're going to go super in-depth on the Western Conference. All of our observations go real hard on Sunday night. So we will talk to you all then. You must love hoops if you're enjoying another great episode of Dunked On. The Locked On Podcast Network has more hoops for you. Locked On has a podcast on every NBA team. 
If you're a Lakers fan, a Bucks fan, a Celtics fan, or a Mavericks fan, the Locked On Podcast Network has a daily podcast on your favorite team. All 30 NBA teams have a daily podcast at Locked On. Search on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts for Locked On, your favorite team. Or tell your smart speaker to play podcast, Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.